Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Hey, let's go get him back. Let's go get him back. Hey, let's go. Down starter mode, let's go. Stretch, stretch, stretch. Hey, stretch that. Stretch that. Air moss. Air moss. Hey, rocket. Hey, rocket. 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 Rayshon Jenkins, Mic'd Up in Indianapolis. You can check out the full episode of Mic'd Up on Jaguars.com. Welcome to Jaguars Drive Time on a Wednesday morning. Ashlyn, Brian, and John here with you on a chilly day in Jacksonville. I always have to say that when it's the first chilly day of the year, we get excited around here. Christmas is in the air, boys. You didn't seem excited when you were in Philly and it was chilly. That was a different type of chilly, okay. and I was the farthest thing from excited during that game. Yes. No, Would you no. like me to bring no, it up really, again? No, really, no. There's no need to go back. Let's talk about Rayshon Jenkins. Let's do it. Like Mike Caldwell yelled at by my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Caldwell's system has really put him in a spot to make plays, and it, when you watch, you see him all over the field, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't give you a grade on how he is in coverage, but watching him near the line of scrimmage, blitzing, making tackles, he tipped a ball the other day. Uh, very active. It's interesting to watch him play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's always dangerous. I haven't talked to anybody like you, Brian, who has told me how he's graded if there's other errors. But he certainly, I would say, um, makes is the Jaguars' defensive player who is making significantly more mm-hmm. big plays than this year than ago. he was last year. 100%. And uh, he stands out, and that's what a safety's job is to do. He, he impacts and disrupts, and uh, he didn't do much of that last year, so good no. for him. They like their safeties here. They've both played well so far this season, and they need them to help yeah. out in the passing game going forward. Mm-hmm. Both of them making huge strides, Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Sisco as well. Let's get into big things. Big thing one is time to get right. The Jaguars are on a three-game losing streak, and now is the time if you want to have Anything close to that feeling you had in Los Angeles and getting back to the winning ways the Jaguars had early on this year. Hopefully, Jaguars, best football ahead of them. Yeah, October's been spooky, to say the least. Um, but you want to play your best football in November and December. And, um, you know, you don't want to peak too soon. And I feel as though this team is, is on pace to do something special down the road. Coming up, we have an unbelievable opportunity this week against the Giants. So a good football team. They run the ball well. Great challenge for our defense. We know who they have on defense as we get into them a little bit more. But November, December, when we start clicking at that moment and we gain that momentum, I think that's what makes a dangerous team. And, and hopefully we can put ourselves in that category moving forward. 
Big thing, too, is time for takeaways. The Jaguars at one point led the league in takeaways. In the past two weeks, they have had none. Where have they been? Foya Luakon explains. Uh, we got to take, take advantage of the opportunities that come. I remember they had a fumble. They did have a fumble, and we didn't get it. So it's, that's a want-to thing. Um, we got to run in the ball better. We got to, you know, the ball is everything in that, in that situation. The ball is oxygen. You need oxygen to breathe. So you want to breathe, get the ball. A um, couple balls left up in the air we didn't get to, but we got to take advantage of the ones that come. Uh, get back to that. And finally, big thing three is time for accountability. Someone has to be to blame for the Jaguars' three-game losing streak. Right. Well, the moral of the story is plenty of players have to play better to end this losing streak, but we all know it always falls on the head coach. Yeah, number one, I still take the fall um, for the whole thing because I'm, I'm responsible for the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, you have conversations with the coordinators each week, you know, and and um, and then I have conversations with the team and and, um, you know, just they everybody needs to know the importance of each game. Uh, each game is its own entity and um you know there's there's things that still are, are kind of showing up in these games that are that are sort of self-inflicting and you know it just so happened this week was third downs you know in the second half just being able to get off the field defensively and you know um two dpis and a and a buck in the passer kept kept driving alive you know for them so those are all things that um you know we have to eliminate we have to correct and and uh, I'm a big part of that, obviously, with, uh, you know, with the coordinators and the team. And that is big things on a Wednesday morning as we go back up to big thing one, which is time to get right. At one point, this stretch of the season looked favorable to the Jaguars. You had the Texans, you had the Giants, you had the Broncos. We didn't expect a month ago when we were talking about this that the Giants would be 5-1 and one coming to Jacksonville. It's a little different of a story now. Yeah, I mean, there's still, look, before the season, John, when people would ask me, what, that, what are they going to do this year? What's Doug Peterson going to get done? I said, I hope that they're relevant around Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I didn't predict the playoffs, but what I said was, if there's some games in late November where, hey, if they win this one, they're right in it. Well, that's still in front of this team, right? Mm -hmm. But they have to start taking advantage of the games that are here right now. They have to find a way to finish a game, close out a game. I go back to 96, which I do all the time, but it's a great lesson. This team was 4-7. and seven. At one point, they lost in New Orleans and in St. Louis and looked horrible in doing so. And then what happened was the running game got going that year. The defense played better because they weren't on the field all the time. Then Mark Brunel was playing with a lead every once in a while. That's still in front of this team. It's still there for them, but they've got to get it done themselves. They've got to figure out how they're going to fix that pass defense. They've got to figure out how they're going to run the ball consistently when they need to run the ball, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those things are still there for this team. Well, they still have to grow up, and uh, I'll sort of tie it into big thing uh, three. It seems to me when Doug's talking about accountability, et cetera, um, inside that it seems like there's messages about big plays at key moments and I don't know that um, I've been talking all year about this team's core players who are veteran players there's not very many of them Brian and those are usually the guys that you depend on in big moments it seems 0-4 in games decided by a score or less all of their losses in three of the losses they had leads in the last three minutes right um in Three other of the losses, or four, they've had the ball with a chance to go tie. This team hasn't made the big plays in the big moments. Uh, I think they've got guys who will do that. They haven't done that yet. That's what gives me hope. 
they, they can be relevant because at some point somebody's going to make a play at the end of the game they're going to and they're going to say oh that's what it is and then i think you've got 11 games left i think you've got a chance to win four or five of those and get to that six seven thing we've been talking about maybe more but that's it. Those key moments, they have not made big plays in key moments. Well, they do have some guys on this roster, though. They brought in mostly through free agency. You could take a Roy Robertson, Harris, a Foley, Fatakase, a Foley, Foley a Luakon, um, you know, Josh Allen, Chris Manhurts. I mean, they've got guys who understand how to – Brandon Sheriff. Um, those guys have to set a really strong example for some of these young guys right now. I get it. The core players, the quarterback in particular, those guys you're looking for, they're still young and still trying to see things through. But there's a lot of reason to think that this team can turn this thing and start winning some close games. And John, you know, you've heard this like I have for years. You go from losing big to losing small mm -hmm. to winning small before you finally get to a position where you're winning with a more substantial more. I wouldn't say win big because not many teams do that in the NFL. But they're in that, you know, lose close, lose close, lose close. you got to find a way to win close. That, right. That's where you go from being a 6-7, maybe more team to 9-10-11, right? They're, they've got to flip that switch and get that gap. And it's not just the quarterback. It's, it's the defense. They've got to come through. They've got to get a stop. Yeah, when it matters most. And we talk about accountability. I was on a radio show Monday night, and they were talking about Trayvon Walkers, and they called them dumb mistakes, which they are. They were dumb mistakes at crucial times in the game. And they asked, okay, well, Ashlyn, how do you fix that? What do you do? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, how long can you keep it up? I said, he's Trayvon Walker. He's going to keep playing. Yeah. At some point, it sounds like growing pains, and that sounds annoying. But he's going to be on the field regardless, and I don't know when those mistakes stop. I don't know how you fix those mistakes. I don't expect that he'll keep making that mistake. I mean, yeah, people always talk about really accountability in, in uh, pro football. Um, the accountability comes from within, knowing that, this is your job as professionals. They're not going to bench Trayvon Walker, uh, <laughs> especially when one of the plays that he made was on one of the few pressures they had. Right. Uh, so it was a mistake. As Rick said, you can't come down in that situation. You have to keep your hands up if you're right. going to go in that it's way. It's hard when your arms are that long. <laughs> well, it, it is, but it, it was not as inexcusable as the week before. No. But Agreed. it was still inexcusable. Um, you're, you're not going to bench these guys because if you bench them, you are putting players in who are not as good as they are. Right. So you reduce your chance of winning. I'm not sure people want that. Look, I wrote about I wrote about it for Quick Thoughts that I think goes up later today, and I talked about it a little bit last week, that in speaking to a couple of veteran players, there is more detail work that needs to be done by younger players. They're still learning how to prepare. He'll learn, mm -hmm. right? He'll figure that out. He's got to. Yeah. The, the, and and, and not, just, not just off the field preparation, although that's important, but the detail work about not driving into a quarterback as you're taking him to the ground or hitting him in the head. I mean, all of these things factor into it, and you learn by playing. I don't expect, knowing the kind of person and player that he is, that he's going to make more of those mistakes. They're painful. I mean, really painful. Yeah. The last two weeks, you can point to those two plays and say, maybe the reason you lost, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um I don't expect that he'll keep going. I expect that he's the kind of guy they're going to turn it around. Yeah, it's just growing pains, even though they aren't pretty at times. No, and we, we, we just have to admit, no takeaways is yeah. a huge factor for this team right now. When you've got a quarterback, although he played well last week, and you want to get the ball and end drives, like they, they had those two drives at the end of the second quarter where they go nowhere. I think one of them was 17 seconds. The Colts... Took those two drives, short punts, turned them into 10 points. Made a game of it at the half, right? Takeaways. 
change that dynamic for you if you get more possessions for your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to get that, you've got to figure out how to stop this a short passing game with a quick release mm-hmm. because that, by its nature, I think teams looked at the Jags and said, okay, if we don't turn the ball over against these guys, they are not a great pass-rushing defense. Let's not give them the ball. When No team wants to give teams the ball, but it seems like they are game planning specifically to have the short passing game. I don't think they think that the corners can come up and stop them in that. The last, or especially on 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 Sunday, they did they not. Didn't. So until they figure that out, I don't think you're going to see a nine turnover in four game pace anymore. Uh, that is the major difference why you don't feel like this team is dominant defensively like they were at times in the first four games. And that is big things when we come back on Jaguars Drive Time. We talk about this Sunday's home game against the New York Giants with Brandon London coming up on the Jaguars Digital Network. We are back, Jaguars Drive Time, on a Wednesday getting ready for a home game against the New York Giants. And with that, we bring in Brandon London, who was a player for the Giants in 2007 and right now is a contributor to Giants.com as well as many other sports programs in New York City. Brandon, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Duval, what's going on? We are good. A little worried about this game on Sunday, not going to lie, but we talked about this earlier in the show a month ago. We said, all right, this stretch of schedule is favorable to the Jaguars. We did not think the Giants were going to come in here 5-1. and one. I'm sure you get this question all the time. What is going on with the Giants? How did this happen? I don't know. There's something in the water around here when you're talking about having one of the worst defenses, I mean offenses, in the NFL, but you still managed to put together a five and one record. Uh, it's either something in the water or you can just accredit it to Brian Dable, Joe Shane, and this new Giants regime. I mean, I talk to players all the time, former players, and they just talk about how the culture has shifted. You're seeing a shift in demeanor within the players, within the organization from inside the training facility to just there on game day, the game day culture. And the team says it each time, from the running backs coach to the head coach. They say this is a fourth quarter team. This the, the, the not only the defense, but this Giants offense and defense. This team wants to stay within one possession the entire game because if they're going to have the ball at some point in that fourth quarter, they're going to find a way to tie it up or go ahead. The team buys in. They bought in. They buy in, and this team feels feels as though they can beat anyone. Morning, Brandon. The Giants and former general manager George Young, the late, great George Young, they were the team with the planet theory. Remember that? That There's only so many big men on the planet that can move. you got to get them while you can get them. And the Giants did that with the draft this year uh, with the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen. How are they contributing? And isn't what you're seeing from a 5-1 and one team really the fact that they're winning the battle at the line of scrimmage and they haven't in recent years? Yeah, and the thing is, haven't even been healthy, especially on the defense the line of scrimmage. If you think about it, we just got big cat Leonard Williams back uh, after him suffering that MCL injury. And then also Kayvon Thibodeau, the uh, number five draft pick uh, uh, in the draft this year. Uh, He was out the first couple of games, but you saw how big that he came up uh, in the biggest moment of the game against the Ravens with that uh, that sack fumble, his first sack of the year. Jahad Ward, as you see on the screen right there, number 55, he's been playing lights out. And he's a guy that when he was brought over and signed to come with Wink Martindale, people were like, he was what we call a huh signing. People were like, who is this guy? But Wink Martindale has got the Giants defensive line playing above and beyond 
what they look like on paper. I mean, Dexter Lawrence was a guy who people were ready to kind of get him out of here. Now he leads the team with sacks, with four sacks on the year. Wink Martindale is finding ways to apply pressure to, to opposing uh, quarterbacks, and he's finding ways to get guys in position. And I think one thing that's better on the Giants team this year is tackling. You're seeing a lot of guys rally to the ball. You're seeing hats on the football, guys making open field tackles. And that is what keep, is keeping them in the game. They're not making too many mistakes and applying pressure on a quarterback. It's rare to see a guy who you look at and say he's just the best player on the field. But it seems like Saquon Barkley has been that. Uh, tell me about his year, his comeback from this injury, and just what he means to what's going on up there. He is as advertised. He is as advertised. I mean, this year he's just, you can, you've heard within the media how he said, telling people to keep that same energy or to stay on that side. Since he stepped into Quest Diagnostics training facility for uh, off-season workouts, he has been a man possessed. And I go back and I tell this story a lot. Like, you, I don't know if you guys remember during the training camp, there was that big skirmish, the big brawl. And people kind of say that he started it in a way because he lowered his head on uh, lowered his shoulder and finished a run against cornerback Aaron Robinson. And the defense got mad at that. Well, fast forward or, or rewind to week one when he lowered his shoulder and ran through some defenders to get in the end zone, not only on his touchdown, but the two point conversion. You're seeing him finish runs. So Tom Coughlin used to say a lot back in my rookie year, Practice how you play. And that's exactly how 2-6 has been doing. He's been practicing not only with bursts through the line of scrimmage, but finishing runs. And you just see everyone from, from the Giants, not only in-house, but fans, so excited about what he's doing because he's been a guy taken as high as he was in that draft pick, uh, in that draft. He's taken a lot of criticism, but a lot of people have stood behind him and he's showing why he was the number two overall pick. And Brandon, staying on offense, there were there were some questions last year with quarterback Daniel Jones, and and now there doesn't seem to be many questions at all about him. How has the confidence grown with the quarterback? Oh, you know, young Eli is yeah, <laughs> young Eli is walking around with with a swag. You know, it might be one of those polo shirt and khaki pants type swags, but you know that's him. Daniel Jones, I feel as though you know he was obviously uh, a pick that a lot of people were confused about. He didn't have the proper structure and coaching around him for him to develop during his younger years but you're seeing what uh the, you're seeing the impact offensive coordinator like a mike kafka and uh and, and an offensive mind like a brian dable is doing the impact they're having with him not only with his decision making but the time the timing that's going off in his head in the pocket you're seeing daniel jones as the second leading rusher on this team being mobile and mobile enough, keeping his eyes down the field. And he's doing it with a bunch of me's at receivers, you know, a bunch of, some of these guys are undrafted. Some of these guys are, 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 are unknown. It's while the Giants are five and one right now, you would love to see a Kadarius Tony or someone explosive back that can take a five yard catch and turn it into a 50 yard or 60 yarder. But right now he's doing it with possession type receivers and he's only making them better. And I think that, that he's missing that one piece to really, truly reintroduce himself, not only within the Giants culture, but within, within this NFL as well.
Going to be a very interesting game on Sunday as the 5-1 Giants come to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars at home. Brandon, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me, Duval. I just love saying that. I love saying that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up on Jaguars Drive Time, some this or that on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. <laughs> hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got, it. you know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot. Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback coupons, all in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. This or that. We're back. Jaguars drive time Wednesday morning. Time for this or that presented by Price.com. Brian, what are you thinking? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the move at corner and do you make it or not? I mean, do you leave Shaq Griffin? Who is... The highest paid player on your roster this year at $16.4 million, right? Signed that three-year $40 million deal. But he struggled, and not just last week. Remember, he gave up that long touchdown in the fourth quarter in Washington that led to a Washington Redskins come-from-behind win um, when the Jaguars had a comfortable margin there. So he's not played well this season at all. And on Monday night, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, after watching J.C. Jackson, who got an $82 million contract in the spring. Mm-hmm. In game six, watched him give up two touchdowns, take a pass interference penalty that cost him major yardage, and he benched him at halftime. And Mike Davis went in the game, and, and they played better. That's not likely to last. You don't invest $82 million in a guy. But he benched him because they needed something different. So it's a valid question. To me, it's the story of the week. What do they do with this secondary? John, we talked about it in the last segment. How do you force teams to hold the ball a little bit longer if they don't think your corners can cover the short, quick passing game? Do you make the change this week, like Brandon Staley did, or do you stand with your guy and see if he can come and flip the switch this week? Yeah, I don't know which will happen. I mean, I could see both sides. Uh, I always go back to that. Um, If you're going to do it, make sure Trey Herndon can do it better. So that – is what I don't know how the coaches feel about that. I know they like him. Um, so I think it's a it's an obvious storyline. We'll see what happens with it. I think I could see them going with Trey Hernan just because you know what you have with Trey Hernan. This isn't a guy that you have questions about. Trey Hernan, is he a starter for the whole season? Maybe not. But this is a guy that you can depend on. I think you sit him a week. I think you get him just everything to settle down, just calm everything down. 
and you get yes with the cap space and that cap hit you're not going to send him the entire year but try something different for a week you know with Trey Hernan I trust that he can go in and do his job something's got to change yeah and yeah the question is is it this week or not interesting we'll pay attention to it John what do you think him um what's the most significant stat moving forward the fact that Jaguars have no takeaways in the last two games or that they were three for three in the red zone sending against the Colts and you know it's it all depends on what they do moving forward I think they are going to drop off a little bit in their takeaway pace from weeks uh, one and four they already have obviously but I don't know they're going to maintain that because it seems like teams have figured out a way to combat what they were doing early to me the most significant stat that we really haven't talked about because they lost on Sunday they went three of three in the red zone um if this offense is at 66% in the red zone, they have really moved the ball well for the most part throughout the course of the season. In six games, it's a stat I used in Quick Thoughts this week, they have been remarkably consistent. Every drive they've had at least, I mean, every game they've had at least three drives over 50 yards. Yeah, I think they've had 24 of those for the season. They're that's near a, the top of the league in, in 10 play drives. Yeah, that's a lot of extended drives. So. It feels to me like that's a part of this team you can rely on now. They are going to move the ball offensively. I see no reason to think they won't. Can they stick it in the red zone? If they're three of three, two of three, three of four type stuff in the red zone the rest of the season, they are going to turn this around. If they keep that stat mm -hmm. going, I think that's really important for this team. We talked in training camp. Where were the points going to come from, right? If you're going to play in the AFC with these quarterbacks and you're playing you know, the Broncos with Russell Wilson – and, and what we've seen Derek Carr be able to do, and, and obviously the week after that with Kansas City, and then the week after that with Baltimore. I mean, you're going to have these teams where you're going to have to score. So I think the red zone is more important than the takeaways because in this game, which is built towards offense. By the way, scoring is down in the league, and that was a part of the conversation yesterday at the NFL's owners' meetings, mm -hmm. right? Um, so oh, they, they don't want that. They want <laughs> scoring. So if that's the case, you better be able to score because that's what this is leaning towards. And to see him find efficiency in the red zone – is a very good sign. Jaguars are the lowest scoring team in the NFL last year. They're 15th this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not where Doug wants to be, but considering through six games, if you think about um, what this team was last year, I think they scored more than 24 times. They've been over oh, five, I'm sorry. They've been over 25 times already this year. Right. It's, uh, and I, I feel like that's the first steps of a building block toward what the identity of this team is going to be at some point. Mm -hmm. Especially since two weeks ago against the Houston Texans, this, the storyline of the week, and especially on this Monday show, was that they couldn't score in the red zone and that that was something that made them lose that game. Right, then but they even moved later. the ball that day. They had 422. Yeah. They've been moving the ball for a young team. Uh, the Colts, uh, because they have a new quarterback, had struggled in the red zone until Sunday. <laughs> that, that usually comes together. The fact that they are moving the ball between the 20s consistently compared mm -hmm. to what they were last year, it, it's a remarkable turnaround that I think people may have uh, forgotten a little bit. Mm -hmm. And my this or that is who did the Jaguars miss more on Sunday? We're going to pay attention if either of these guys can play this upcoming week. Marvin Jones Jr. or Foley Fatukasi? Who did the Jaguars miss more in their loss? And we're hopefully going to have both of these guys back this week. I'll say Marvin Jones in the second quarter. They didn't seem to miss him much late, especially on that 18-play drive where I think – if he's on the field, he's an obvious target. He's a guy that the quarterback feels so comfortable with. 
Um, but they struggled to move the ball. There was those two drives at the end of the first half where the Jaguars really struggled and set up those two scoring drives for the Colts. And if you've got Marvin Jones getting open, perhaps that makes a change. They obviously didn't miss Fatou Kazi, who's not a pass rusher at all, because the Colts, without Jonathan Taylor, were not going to succeed in the ground game. So I will say Marvin Jones. I think moving forward... You need There's Fadikasi. a chance that they will miss Fadakasi more if he's not there. I think both these guys will be back. But you need Fadakasi this If they this were week. both out, I think you would miss Fadakasi more over the long term because uh, Tim Jones um, is interesting. He, he made a really nice play on the ball yesterday. I mean, not yesterday, but Sunday. Sunday. Uh, he's got some potential that mm-hmm. if Marvin wasn't available for the entire season, Tim Jones, I think, over the course of time could come up and supplement that. I don't know that they have a replacement long-term for Fadakasi. And that is This or That presented by Price.com. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, some closing thoughts. Florida Blue, Florida Blue Cross, and Blue Shield Company has been providing health insurance to residents of Florida for more than 75 years. Driven by its mission of helping people and communities achieve better health, learn more at floridablue.com. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time. One more segment on a Wednesday as we get ready to go back on the practice field. It is cold outside. We'll be wearing sweatshirts on the practice (laughs) field today. It's the Palm Beach in you. It is. It's coming out. As the Jaguars get ready for a Giants team here on Sunday, a home game finally. And this is going to be... A busy stretch because the Jaguars will play a home game. They will then go to London next week. We're used to having a bye week after London. Then they play another home game here in Jacksonville. Yeah, against the Raiders. This is a lot. Yeah, going. a lot. Uh, which makes this a, an important game. I mean, we say every week it's an important game. But if you want to find a way to start building a bit of momentum, winning a home game would seem to be it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk to Brenton Buckner uh, after practice today, the defensive line coach. Because with Saquon Barkley coming in here, those three guys inside, hopefully Fontacasi, but Roy Robertson, Harris, and Devon Hamilton, are going to have to be able to hold the point. And and it's tough because they've got two first-round picks to tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Evan Neal this year's Andrew Thomas a couple years ago from Georgia. This is a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an important game in the sense that I get that people don't want to consider London a home game, but it, on, on their schedule in terms of how you play it, it is a home game. And so they have three home games in a row against the Giants, who 5-1, uh, and one, I believe – Teams that win close games are good teams. But they've been playing close games. Yep. So you would think the Jaguars will have a chance in this game at the end of the game. Denver and and the Raiders after that have not been so far what people fear. The, the awesome AFC West is going to be the best division of all time. It really hasn't been. So these are three games that on paper you ought to be in. This is not the Chiefs who no, you'll loom see them large, which I'm not yeah. sure that, that this is a team that's going to be ready for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. These three games should be – so if, if they are what they think they are, which is, which is a team that has been close and a team that's about to break through, you can break through in these three games. Mm-hmm. There are matchups that favor the Jaguars, right? At least they match up well with the Giants, right? The Giants run the ball. The Jaguars stop the run. The Giants don't stop the run. The Jaguars run the ball. Um, there's some matchups individually that you can see that really make sense. There's not a game-breaking wide receiver. I mean, I, I get Kadarius Tony was drafted to be that. He hasn't proven to be that yet. There's some things they can do this week to work matchups in their favor. I think there's matchups in the, the Broncos game. 
The Raiders game, there's some tough matchups. <laughs> yeah. Devontae Adams and Darren Waller are two guys that everyone have trouble stopping. So sure. you, you could use these next two weeks to play well and and get right if you were Shaq Griffin, right? And a couple other guys. I don't mean to just pick on him, but he's just the, the most obvious example. Yeah. Um, because as you go towards Kansas City, what they do – we've not seen this team do well against yes certainly looming that game plus the odds makers like the jags in this game and And that means everything well the odds makers are right a lot (laughs) you know more so (laughs) we didn't used to talk about the odds right there was a time where we didn't talk about vegas and betting and gambling and any of that so i didn't pay as much attention to it until recently where all of a sudden now it's part and parcel of professional sports in the nfl in particular they are they get it right yeah. It's surprising. It was surprising Monday morning when I saw that. I said, huh? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So they must know right. something I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the Jaguars were obviously the number one team in the draft order because they had the worst record. The Giants came in at number five and I think at number seven because they had two first-round picks. Brian Dabble has done an amazing job at getting yes. this team to play well, and obviously Wink Martindale and the defense have. They've got talent. Jaguars aren't so far away from them mm-hmm. that they can't line up and play. For sure. Right? I know people are looking at Saquon Barkley. Jaguars' run defense has been good this year. Let's see if they will and be on Sunday. Yeah, going to be an interesting game Sunday against the Giants at home. Stay with us on Jaguars.com. We'll be right back here. Jaguars drive time tomorrow morning at 930.